Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, new episode of Eastman's Elevated. So this week on the podcast, I have back on Ryan Lampers. So uh, Ryan Lampers, he's just a great guy and a and an absolute killer. He just gets it done every season. And so today we dive deep into mental toughness and, and dive into successful mindset. Just just kind of where our heads are at when we're on a tough hunt and and going into a tough hunt. And, and just a really fun episode, you know it. I think this is what our podcast is known for, these really in-depth conversations where we dive deep into a subject and, and talk it through. And so a uh, fun one for me to, to talk to Ryan, fun one for me to, to release to you guys. Um, so just super excited about it. Uh, Ryan also has his own podcast, Hunt Harvest Health. Um, he does with his wife, Hillary, and those guys are just putting out some great information and a great podcast. So make sure to check that out. Um, our sponsor for today's show is Onyx Maps. Um, Onyx Maps is just a game changer. They they came out with a new and improved uh, phone app. So this just came out a couple days ago, and I'm just so impressed. They just make everything easier to get to. Um, the overlays are, are easier on there, and it it's just like a better uh, improved functioning map system. So um, you know, I I just I can't say enough good things about it. It has changed the way I hunt and the the way their their app works. I mean, in the olden days, you'd have to order maps, wait for them to show up. You'd have to correlate private public. You'd have to map out all the roads and trails. Then you'd have to correlate that to Google Earth, and, and you couldn't use anything in the field. Um, Onyx Maps does everything for you. It maps out all the roads and trails. It maps out, you know, all the topography on there. You you can see private versus public. You can see where wilderness boundaries are. It just has absolutely everything. And in the Onyx Maps, they have uh, an improved system now for for catching maps. And so even if you don't have cell phone service, your map still works and your GPS still works in your map. So you use it like a GPS. Um, they run a year subscription, and now the year subscription includes your computer and your phone app. Um, and they also have a premium membership for all 50 states, but um, an, an absolute game changer. I just love Onyx Maps and, and what they do and, and use it all the time for my scouting, during the hunt, you name it, I, I'm using their app. So uh, really cool. Make sure to check those guys out and, and what they're doing. Um, over there at the Eastman's office, um, we're just plugging away here, uh, getting our magazines out and, and uh, getting ready for the upcoming hunting season. Um, I know I, I've got some good ones coming out. I just turned in a couple articles that's going to be in the next Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal. And then we have our 13th issue coming out, and I wrote a really cool one for that. It's called Inside the Red Zone, and, and it's all about stalking that last 100 yards and how to make the right moves. And so... It, it, it tells you like um, how to get drawn, um, you know, the, the mannerisms of the animals, how to read that, just just different theories on stalking. And so a really fun one for me to to dive into and, and talk in depth about that last hundred yards of a stalk. And so that's going to be our 13th issue that will come available uh, on the Internet only. Uh, you can get it through the website Eastman's Hunting Journal. Uh, we're also running uh, special promos right now for subscriptions. Um, I've talked about the one for the podcast. Uh, you go on Eastman's Hunting Journal, type on, type in Elevated 617, and 20 bucks gets you both magazines and an, an elk call if you want it, if you want to pay shipping and handling. But $20 for both magazines for the year is a, is a great deal. And, 
and, and again, I just um, Eastman's is is just such a great magazine where we're always progressing. I know right now I'm I'm pitching articles for the for the next year, and so I'm just trying to think of what us all us hardcore hunters want to read about and and dive in depth to. And so um, I'm working on that now to to pitch a bunch of article ideas. But that that Dan um, Picard is just a, a great staff writer and. And uh, we've always got other staff writers that are that are entering in pieces. And then, you know, our, our hunters, um, you know, our, our hunt stories that we have about people that that have harvested trophies. Um, all, all of you guys just do such a great job with your writing and pictures. And and it's just progressed so far where, you know, you guys are as good as a staff writers, it seems. And, and, and just some great articles on some really good critters that are being killed out west. And so I uh, just can't say enough good things. I'm just proud to work for the company Eastman's and, and proud to have a part in the magazine. Uh, so make sure to check that out with the subscription promos. And uh, with that, let's get this thing rolling. Uh, me and Ryan Lampers, Eastman's Elevated, here we go. All right, I'm here with Ryan Lampers, um, co-host of, of Hunt Harvest Health. How's it going, Ryan? Good. How are you doing today, Brian? Yeah, I'm doing good. Great. Um, well, we spent a little time on the death hike. I, I sure had a good time with you hiking along the trail there, visiting about different things. Oh, that was a blast, wasn't it? Oh, it was so much fun. I. I, I got home and wanted to be right back in the mountains hiking. Um, it's just so good to get out there and, and test your your mental fortitude and, and test your physical limits, and, and then just a great group of guys too. That was it, man. It was uh, it kind of kind of encompassed all that, you know. I, I was so looking forward to that, just getting to you know hang out with guys like yourself and uh, you know other great hunters and just shoot stories off each other and. And talk and and uh, grind out a good you know kind of suck fest in a way and get to see some just phenomenal country. I mean that that country we we're in, I I'd never seen it, um, and I I can now see what I've been missing. But uh, just a great place, the great group of guys, and yeah, man, we got some exercise. It was just kind of the perfect uh, perfect hike for uh, preseason, and you know we're so close to uh, our first mule deer hunts right now that 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 was just that was ideal, really. Oh. It was for me too. Really enjoyable. Yeah, I I enjoyed every minute of it. Um, and, and then, like you say, just that um, that group of guys that we went with and visiting the whole way, and it was just enough to make it to where you know you had tough times along the trail that you had to push through, but it it wasn't too brutal where it absolutely blew you up or passed your limitations of what you could do. But uh, forty miles through the Idaho wilderness is pretty good, or nearly forty miles. And like you say just gorgeous country i still can't believe that we didn't see a mule deer in fact the only mule deer that that i heard of anybody seeing what was you that morning right in camp yeah i, I kind of uh i flopped down on the truck at 2 30 that morning and uh when i rolled out i don't know like probably seven in the morning i rolled out kind of poked my head up over the edge of my pickup bed there and uh, there was two muley bucks standing in the meadow that uh, that we parked in and those are the only two deer I saw the entire time so it's kind of a bummer but yeah I I don't know if it was just keeping our head down and, and not paying attention or looking but you know to be honest I I saw quite a bit of wolf sign I didn't see many deer tracks um saw a couple here and there a couple elk tracks but yeah it was a little disappointing you know in that much country that much you know, up top 
kind of uh, ideal spots and just didn't didn't see anything. But yeah, it's kind of surprising. Yeah, ideal habitat, and and you think we would have seen them, but you're right. I mean, you're traveling with 20 guys, and we're visiting the whole time, and you're not sitting down glassing every good spot at the right time of day, but you sure think we would have jumped a deer somewhere in there, especially with all that good high country, but um, they're, they're not everywhere. you got to find the pockets where they're at, I guess, but beautiful country. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's really cool how it, how it kind of played out as well you know we kind of started off in three separate groups there and that's kind of the wilderness rules you can't go in big groups so we, i think we split up in groups of seven and you know everybody kind of you know you kind of chatted with the guy in front of you chatted with the guy behind you and uh over time you know you cover that many miles you know some people fall back some people move forward you know on a stop or a quick crossing or something like that you just kind of end up having conversations with everybody so you know, I was fortunate to have conversations with you and, and uh, hear some of your stories and as well as about every guy on on the uh, hike. So, you know, got to really chat with with all 20 guys at some point on the trail. It was pretty cool. It, it sure makes the time go fast, too, when you're talking hunting on the trail, doesn't it? It does, for sure. Yeah, you just kind of focus on on the stories. And, uh, man, you can talk. I mean, it, you got you got stories galore. So it's uh, pretty cool. uh you know, having you in front or behind you, <laughs> you can just listen to Brian Barney talk hunting stories. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> well, likewise. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed visiting with you. And so as we were talking, um, man, you got some huge plans for this season. You got a bunch of tags and hunts coming up. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh real fortunate. Um, you know, I got a couple of draws this year. I wasn't really expecting, um, you know, I, I think uh, we talked about my Nevada hunt last year. Uh, that was just a fun time. Really excited. That was my first year down there. And, um, you know, of course this year you put in again, you got, you've been down there. You want to do it again. Of course, you kind of want it to be an annual thing. And, you know, obviously that's not going to happen, but, uh, shoot, lo and behold, I, I drew it again. So it's not the same exact tag, but it's really similar, really close to where I was last year. Um, in fact, the, the range that I'll be hunting, I could actually glass, um, while I was hunting last year, I can glass it, uh, I could have glassed it uh, from where I was. And so, you know, another one of those tags where, you know, I just, that was my fourth choice and it was just, uh, you know, kind of a higher percentage, but still, you know, no, with no points going in, um, shoot, drew the thing. So super excited to see those results and and get back down to Nevada. And from what I hear, the grass is tall and and green and um, antler growth is pretty strong down there this year. So real excited about it. Oh man, this is the year to draw it. Yeah. They got a bunch of moisture, good snowpack, um, really good feed. You should see some nice bucks down there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Everybody, you know, it's kind of one of those things, you know, similar to last year, you, you get a few connections here and there in other states and you really, you know, latch onto those guys and, and pick their brains as much as you can. And, um, you know, the train to hunt fellas that, that are down there, I went and did an event down there and, um, you know, it's, it's really cool having contacts that you can just kind of, you know, pick up the phone and give them a shout. And they're, they're really open to telling you, you know, how many guys are typically at this trailhead and, you know, where maybe you wouldn't see fellas and, and this and that. And those little, you know, tidbits information and they go a long way when you're two state or yeah, two states up and you got no way to scout it preseason. You, know, you just take all that and jot it down and kind of put a plan together, and that's kind of where I'm at. So 
Man, isn't that the truth? I I love making connections, and the more I put myself out there, it seems like the more connections I make, and I I try to to give the same advice to other guys and the same knowledge that I've gained in my state and other states, and try to help guys scout. You know, whether they're sending me Google Earth pictures or, or asking questions about a unit I've hunted before, and like Tyler uh, Boshma, which I had him on the podcast, he's a great guy. Um, but but he drew a tag that I had in Nevada way back in 2007, a really tough tag to draw on. So, you know, I was able to give him a bunch of information, a, a scouting days, and, and I think I had like nine or ten hunting days in there. But putting that information out, and then you kind of gain those contacts and friends throughout the industry that then, you know, you can call on and get information from. So you're right, that's just priceless to, to make friends like that. And, and like that uh, Hawaii trip, that was all connections and friends that I had met, and, and uh, I'm going to go to to uh, Ohio this year, and that's a buddy that came out here and hunted with me for bears. And so uh, building those relationships, I think, is really important when you're trying to travel across, you know, the United States hunting different species. It really helps out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you said it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, kind of the web of people that uh, in this industry and just the people you meet at these challenges or, you know, hikes like the, the death hike or you know, just talking to people, um, if you are able to travel around and hit some shows, gosh, you just make some great, great connections. And, you know, most guys are really, you know, obviously they're not going to give you, you know, pin you down a perfect spot and, you know, give you GPS coordinates, but, um, boy, they really do kind of give you a general area to start from. And, and it really does help and goes a long way. And, you know, I, you get information like that from guys and, you know, now I, I want to help guys and, and, kind of, uh, you know, put them in, in locations and spots and, um, you know, all these little things help. And I honestly, the connections that I've made, you know, I, I'm inviting guys up here to chase bears, you know, in the fall. And, and I want to take guys out and kind of show them our state as well. And, um, yeah, it's just a fun time and, um, great way to, uh, kind of web out and, Everybody kind of helps each other out. It's great. Well, and that uh, general information that you're talking about, and like you say, we're not looking for GPS coordinates, but just that general information of of trailhead locations or even units, you know, and even if it isn't the unit they hunt, but they live in that state, and so they have that local knowledge of what's there and go, no, the... You know, the deer populations aren't too good in there. You know, you you definitely want to head up high if you're going to go in there to avoid people, use these trailheads off the east side or whatever that general information is. It, it just helps so much for us guys that are, you know, states away from, from there and can't scout all season long when it's 12 hours or more away. So, um, yeah. no, you're right. That is just awesome information. Yeah, you know, some of the, some of the pieces that I've kind of keyed into are, you know, trailhead. You know, these guys that live down there, they drive by throughout the season as residents and, you know, they'll see, you know, they'll, they'll kind of see all of these trailheads and see how many guys are at each one and they'll know where the outfitter trailers are and, and they can kind of point you into that direction. And, okay, so these guys are. Are you still there, Ryan? I lost you. Yeah, you there? Yeah, that's that inconsistent Skype. <laughs> oh, man, that's, yeah, well, that's, that frustrates the heck out of me. <laughs> oh, I know it. That's why these things are so good to do face to face. But um, I got you back in some some fancy editing. You know how good I am at that. We'll we'll get everything pieced in. 
for sure. Me too, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So we were just talking about how that that local information, and you were saying that uh, those guys drive by those trailheads and they see cars and they see outfitter rigs, and so they can kind of take tabs at how many people are in the mountains from which access points. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that is so valuable. Um, you know, when you like I mentioned, you just don't have time to scout when you're when you're so far away as a non-resident and uh you know i i love that information because that's kind of the same things i look at here in my state you know when you're checking out new country is you know are there outfitters in there and which drainages are they and um probably you know i guess you could look at it as it might not be a bad area but uh, it's not the area that i want to be in if they're hunting it so um yeah trailheads with a lot of folks kind of want to steer clear of that and uh, it really does help and go a long way yeah, it does. You know, I, I look for the same thing, but, you know, sometimes I, I try not to let it scare me when I see rigs in there and try to, it makes me go a little bit further, a little bit deeper in country. And when I see those rigs, you know, I don't know what it is, but I almost like it's like uh, when you're steelhead fishing, when you see a bunch of people fishing, you kind of know the fish are in there. And same thing, like when I see hunters, I know there's deer in there. And so then I'm just trying to dissect it further, like, you know, how do I separate myself from those guys? You know, are they all going up a main trailhead? Can I go the other direction or can I cross a big drainage or, or multiple drainage? And, and sometimes there is no getting away, but a lot of times if you can put multiple miles and it seems like those, those outfitters, they're going 10 plus miles back. Usually they're going back with horses way back in. The other guys from rigs, hiking hunters are usually somewhere between that three to eight mile range. But, you know, sometimes I look at that and I try not to get intimidated and I try to just separate myself from those guys. Do you ever, do you ever play that game at all? Or are you looking for some place where nobody's parking and then going in there and trying to have the woods to yourself? Honestly, I, I think I go that way. I'm, I'm such a recluse. I, uh, um, I'm just antisocial, Brian. To be honest, I, <laughs> uh, I, I think I'd rather chase, uh, you know, one or two deer, um, you know, than than 20 in a spot if there's a lot of folks. And, um, you know, they, that may be the wrong move, but uh, but it's just kind of how I, I really like to just be off by myself. And, um, you know, deer act different when there's nobody around. And it's, it's good. You are right. I mean, it, you know, there is something to be said about hunting the outskirts where other guys are and you know, you can use them to your advantage and things like that. But, um, you know, just being a Washington guy here, I just hit, I just look for those trailheads where nobody's going and, and, uh, and just, and just go from there. And, um, but yeah, there is something to be said about being in good enough shape to try to get past that beyond where guys are going. And, and that, that's definitely an option as well. Yeah, but I'm with you though. There's um every time I pull up to the trailhead, I'm always hoping that there's no rigs there. I'm never hoping that there's 50 rigs there. So, I mean, you are right. That is what a guy wants to find. But, you know, like I know this spot I went in Montana, everybody thinks they're going to be a high country mule deer hunter and this mountain range is brutal with the underbrush and and steep terrain and when i went in there there was 50 rigs in the parking lot and i'm passing guys on the trail and i'm thinking what in the heck am i doing and i go up 
this one north side face and it's really super gnarly and cliffy you know 60 70 degree slopes like it scares me trying to make it up there and 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 to find my way to the top it took me three different tries to find an ascent to the top but you know i made that that ridge line there and i never saw another hunter the entire hunt and i came out on day eight and my truck was the only truck in the parking lot you know so so that time i felt like i like i beat the pressure or i had like a secret spot on them or like this this gnarly terrain that kind of separated me from where the guys were but like you say to each their own and i always love to pull into a parking lot when they're when i'm the only rig you know that's a good feeling that is a good feeling yeah for sure it's yeah just kind of uh i don't know it's just kind of a whenever you pull up even if i see one rig in some of my uh some of the humps that i go here in washington it's just like a you just feel sunk. <laughs> oh, I know. Do you start you profiling too? You start looking at the truck, going, "Is he a hunter, or is it a Subaru? Is he just a day hiker?" I start profiling the rigs in there too. I just can't help myself. Yeah, yeah, I'd be lying if I said I didn't. Um, I look for <laughs> the back, and you know, you just kind of get a feeling that wow, oh, this guy might actually know where to go. He's, this guy, this could be trouble. But no, it's uh, yeah, for sure. You can kind of profile and see if it's just a hiker. Uh, driving an outback or uh you know there might be a diesel dodge in the park in the parking lot with some uh you know exo mountain gear stickers on the back and then you're in trouble right (laughs) then you are in trouble yeah i know it well and and it's weird too sometimes you can disappear back in country and there can be a couple rigs in the parking lot and you never see anybody you got it all to yourself um but a lot of times you know you see rigs and then you go into your spot and every rig you see every guy in there in country trying to hunt the same place you are right yeah for sure i've you know i Honestly, I've never hunted Colorado, but I've heard so many stories like that. You know, you kind of, I don't know if there is getting away um, or hitting trailheads in Colorado where you're just not, not, you know, accompanied by a lot of folks or a lot of vehicles. Because uh, every story I've heard, um, I just haven't had the fortune to get over there and hunt it. But, uh, you know, a lot of hikers and a lot of hunters. And so I, I've heard stories of you talking about, you know, doing just that, just getting beyond everybody, you know, putting... 10 miles on if you have to and, and getting beyond where everybody else is and um, fortunately here in washington we just don't have as many hunters so we don't have to i don't have to deal with 20 folks in the parking lot usually um if there's one that's that's kind of a lot yeah well and, and you're gonna love colorado uh man is that big country yeah you you got to start applying there uh that country's built for you but uh yeah but yeah a lot of times you do see trucks and, and and cars in the parking lot and where i go you know and i've hunted a few different units in colorado and get to know it pretty good but um you know a lot of my favorite spots i never see another hunter in there and the the one spot there's like uh, 30 square miles in there without even a horse trail through it and i swear some of those thirteen thousand foot peaks i feel like no human's been to the top and i'm sure they've all been topped in there but um you know it's just desolate it's just it's what you love to to hunt when you're hunting muleys or elk or anything you want to have it all to yourself you don't want to have to deal with the human element you want to be you versus the deer you versus the elk that's it that's just it you know you you just don't want any human influence and uh you know like i said before they just act whether you're deer hunting uh, or elk hunting the animals just act different when they haven't been uh, pressured or molested in any way and, and that's kind of where you want to be and um that's just the perfect situation so it's all on you um you know there's no outside effects and that's that's kind of what i look for and, and what i dream about is 
is just uh, getting in on their turf and playing the game and, and you know having that chess match and, and no other outside influence is messing it up. It's just it's just you. Yeah, solitude. Well, and and you, we talked about it in the last podcast, but some of your spots, eastern Montana, like that country is full of hunters and full of rigs and and full of guys with tags, and and you're able to find spots, and I am too, where you can get away from them, and it's just that extra effort, you know, it's just putting a few miles behind you and and getting to some of those blocks of land and being willing to 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 do a backpack hunt in a spot that everybody's kind of truck hunting in, and and so there's. You know, there's definitely units right. where you're going to have to deal with the human element and you just got to try to get away from them as best you can, you know, and and whether that's finding the trailheads that nobody's using or separating yourself from guys from, you know, some sort of obstacle like that north rock face that I did or by putting more miles in or getting off trail, um Getting like uh, last year in Wyoming, getting to a spot where there is no water, where they can't water horses, you know, and it's this steep, gnarly terrain. Well, guys can't survive more than a day up there. They can't pack enough water to stay up there and hunt. And so, you know, if you can get into those spots and and find a little seep or, you know, be willing to drop a thousand feet and get your water, you know, then you got that ridge and that place all to yourself. But I I think that's all stuff that we need to keep in mind because you never know when you're going to have to deal with the, the human element when you're hunting that's for sure yeah uh, kind of similar like we talked on that last podcast as well um here in our state it's it's underbrush you know it's thinness it's cliffs it's uh you know you get on these ridge lines and most people don't too far off that trail um so it is easy to find places that just don't get looked at and and you're right you feel like you're the only guy that's ever been there and and those are that you really try to seek out um, and, and, and here in Washington, it, you lived here, um, you know how rough it can be in those cascades and man, the brush can get you and, and it is thick and it's just, it, you know, it's just like a, it's just like a jungle in places. And, and once you fight through it and get to those, uh, the upper, upper basins and alpine meadows, man, that's just, that is heaven up there. And there's just not a whole lot of folks that are willing to go through the tangle hook getting in there. So, um. Yeah, that's kind of what we look for in this in this state for sure. Boy, isn't that the truth? And you can say it and talk about it, but until you're swallowed up and grabbed by all that underbrush and you're just fighting your way through those willows, and it seems like there's not even enough room to get a human body through there, and pretty soon you're just two hours of dripping sweat and hard work, and you've hardly even gone a mile. Like, that's what makes those mountain ranges so big. They look small on Google Earth, but then you get inside them, and you can't get anywhere in that brush and, and you're right that's what separates you and and i think we said it before but you, you also can't get on the tops of those and really basin hop like you can in some of these other spots like the drainage you choose is the drainage you're going up and hunting that's going to be it yeah that's the thing and so key here as well um you go into that um it's you just don't want to make a mistake because here you don't have another basin on the that you're able to go, you know, maybe be chasing another group of, uh, or another bachelor group of bucks. It's like you get into your spot, you see a couple, three, four bucks, and man, that's your pay. That's your, that's your plan. And, and if it doesn't work out, you blow them out or they windy or something, you're, well, you're, you're going to be putting on some miles to get to another spot, you know, plan B. And um, that can be really frustrating. So really playing it smart and, uh, and getting a good game plan together when you're up there is just really important. 
um, especially in this country where you just don't have basin after basin and there's no main ridge where you can just hop on the top trail and and go check out new country really easy it's it's a lot of work to get to another great spot oh wow so so when you find these bucks you got to play them really tentatively and really wait for them to put themselves in a bad spot before you make a play on them because it may be the only bucks you see on the hunt or so far to go to another drainage like uh, how do you how do you determine what is a good play? You just try to high percentage stock, or try to really get them in a good spot, or how do you how do you decide that, Ryan? Yeah, that's just it. Um, you know, I I am so dang cautious with with mule deer here, and that's just a product of of the terrain, you know, the topography of Washington State. Um, I just don't want to mess it up, so it is. It's just basically about you know, putting in the days and, and having a ton of patience and and letting those bucks get in the uh, the perfect spot, you know, having the wind just perfect. And I'm a lot more um, apt to just go for it on an, on an elk than I am a mule deer here in Washington. Um, and that patience, I think, is translated into me hunting other states. Now, I've, I've you know, I, it, it's just something that's built into me at this point. I just don't want to blow a stock and so if I go in there, everything's got to be perfect, and I'm really, really careful not to not to blow something out and, and mess it up because I know what kind of work is going to be ahead of me if I do. And so elk, you play more aggressive then, and and I do the same thing. Like elk, when I when I see them, you know, it it's almost like get in there and see what I can make happen, or get close, or coyote the herd, or you know, go go in and play the game. I don't really sit back and watch and wait too much on elk. Like if it, I don't get reckless with them, but I'm definitely going to go get in there and go play a little bit. Is that how you do them too? Yeah, absolutely. A lot more aggressive with elk. It just seems like, you know, there's, we're hunting them in the rut here. You know, there's a lot of bulls going and, and, um, you know, if you're just, if you're just kind of looking for a, a 300 plus inch bull, um, you know, not a 350 bull or whatever, just a mature herd bull, you know, you got, we got a pretty good elk population. So, uh, yeah, you're right. It's just not reckless, but a lot more aggressive. Um, you just got, got to play the game and, and sometimes it's about numbers and, you know, encounters and, and stocks. And whereas mule deer, they're a lot more few and far between. And you, you just, what I, what's worked for me is just being a lot more patient with the muleys and, and being a lot more aggressive with elk. It's just uh, it's a strategy that's, that's worked for me. Maybe it doesn't work for others, but um, it definitely does here in Washington. Yeah, I'd say I play it the same. Um, you know, I've also sat back and watched mule deer too long. Like, a, you know, I find this giant buck that's just this world-class 200 plus inch deer that i that i watch and wait and it's like i i never pull the trigger on him i watch him for one two three four days and i i'm just waiting for him to put himself in the in a bad spot and in the perfect stocking and it's almost like i like i'm trying to wait for this perfect scenario that never presents itself and then by the time i end up stalking him you know i blow it or something and then i've wasted four days watching that deer and not that you got to be super aggressive with them but I think too, you got to know what you're looking for and know when to go all in. And I'll definitely sit on a nice buck for a day or two, you know, trying to learn his patterns and trying to let him put himself to a bad spot or bed in a bad spot. And sometimes there's other deer in the area or, you know, he doesn't bed in the right spot. And I can kind of look back and go, no, that's low percentage. But when I do get a high percentage and the wind's right, you know, I, I, I roll the dice and go all in. But, 
uh, like you say, I don't like to wait too long where I get where I'm just waiting for this perfect scenario that's never going to present. It's like I'm waiting for a good high percentage stock, and when I see it and it presents itself, I got to go all in. Yeah, and there's there's definitely circumstances, right? I mean, how many days you have to hunt? You know, on day one, I'm I'm obviously more patient than I am on day six. Um, if I got eight days or 10 days, you know, as you get closer to the end, you're definitely going to be a lot more aggressive and, you know, also the size of the buck, you know, if you got a monster buck, be more patient there than, than I am with just a really nice, you know, mature four point, um, you know, if it's a buck that that's just like, you know, jaw dropping, then geez, I think anybody's going to be a little more patient with that just to make sure you don't do anything foolish and, and blow that buck out. Um, that may be a once in a lifetime deal, but. Um, yeah, definitely circumstances where you're more more aggressive and, and more patient. But uh, yeah, it definitely has worked here in this state for me. And um, of course, you know, there's always regrets at the end of the season. Like you wish you would have been a little more, you know, wish you would have been a little more aggressive here. And you know, if that buck happens to disappear, you never see him. Yeah, that's the game, right? That is the game, and hindsight's always twenty twenty. And it seems like no matter which decision you make, like you can always second guess it at the end of season. But yeah, you just got to trust your instincts. And you're right; every situation, every buck is different, and and sometimes it may take sitting on a buck three, four days, and he just never gives you a good chance at him, you know. And so you've got to wait for that opportunity. And and sometimes the the first morning you see him, he beds in a good spot, and you you got to try to make a stock and make something happen. And you're not not going to kill everyone you stock but if you wait for those high percentage plays you know you're you're definitely going to have you know higher odds of harvesting that deer and it's going to take you less stocks to harvest a deer absolutely yeah yeah um i know you know here the last few years I, i've definitely been branching out into different type of terrain as well you know that the terrain that's here the alpine basins those upper basins um where you got a lot of timber a lot of scrub Man, that's just a com- completely different type of hunt than these, um, you know, maybe southern, mid to southern Idaho or Nevada or eastern Oregon or, you know, Colorado. It's so much different. Um, you know, back back last year down in Nevada, um, you know, I I saw some pretty dang good bucks down there, and boy, I could see being a lot more aggressive down there because there's there's so many more bucks to look at, and and I'm always wondering what's on the other side, and you know, there's always more opportunities not too far away. Um, you know, but, uh, but yeah, definitely strategies are going to change. And as I, as I hunt more of these kind of desert, high desert type units, it's going to be, uh, kind of interesting to see how my strategies change over time. But I've got a really good hunt in Eastern Oregon this year as well. And, and that's going to be different. It's going to be hot. It's actually, um, boy, we're getting real close. It's August 3rd is the start date on that. So I got that hunt, um, just prior to going into Nevada. So that'll kind of be a, um, a uh, prelude to my big Nevada hunt, but oh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I've never hunted, never hunted Oregon at all. So going in and, and chasing them in, on August 3rd in that, uh, in that desert country is going to be a blast. Man, I'd say how awesome. Less than two weeks away. Well, you'll, you'll be on that hunt and I'll be in Alaska for caribou, but so, so like on what, on these adventure hunts that you're going on and you got some good tags this year, like what's your mindset going in? Cause I know, you know, and we all eat a tag here or there, but for the most part, you do a pretty good job of, of filling your tags with, with quality critters. And, and I know over the years, you know, that I've, I've got some nice critters and I don't, I don't tend to eat too many tags either. Like, 
I'm just wondering, like, what's your mindset when you go into these? I know you train really hard and spend a lot of time with your bows, so I know you're prepared. But what's your mindset when you're when you're going into one of these adventure hunts to be successful? Yeah, you know, that's that's a good question. Um, I think uh, there's so many things I could I could talk about there. Um, You know, I think being confident. in your shooting, being confident in your conditioning. Um, those two things are, are super crucial for me. Um, you know, we've had a great off season. Uh, this summer has been filled with challenges and events. And, um, I, I just feel so, so well conditioned and ready, um, for that first hunt. You know, I'm going in really, really confident. Like I can just go wherever I need to go. I'm going to, I'm going to be able to go. And, and uh, I love that feeling. Right. And, and we've done a lot of shooting. We've done, um, you know, we just had a Northwest mountain challenge here at Stevens pass, uh, this past weekend and, you know, getting those steep angled shots, um, you know, doing a lot of hiking and, you know, getting your heart rate up and, and having those shots, all those things are just such a big help. Um, you know, in the train to hunt events, that's, that's been a, a major factor, um, you know, building confidence in the off season and, and I just think going into every hunt, um, I just expect it to be hard, you know, uh, never, never really count on it to be a cakewalk is it never is. Um, you know, it's rare that it is, I guess I, sh- I shouldn't say that it never is every once in a while a buck cup comes out first day, but, um, just, just expecting it to be the hardest thing I'm going to be dealing with all year. And, um, and so you go in and you got to be positive throughout the hunt and uh, keep your mind right, stay focused, and, uh, you know, be deliberate. And, and, you know, I think one of the keys for me is is not having that feeling like I used to be. Back in my early years, like, you know, my late teens and 20s, it almost felt like, you know, you get way back, and the further you get back, you kind of had this magnet pulling you the other way. Like, hey, I got, I got stuff I could be doing back home or, you know, this or that, or girlfriends or whatever. Um, and it seems like every year that goes by, the older I get, um, you know, I, I kind of go the other way. I, I obviously got responsibilities back home and and a wife and kid, but, uh, but the drive is just the motivation to stay back there and go farther has gotten stronger for me. Um, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm sure it's kind of the same way, but I don't have that, that kind of magnet back to the trailhead type thing going on anymore like I used to and I think a lot of guys have that maybe younger hunters have that and I think through time and experience that just kind of goes away um and uh you know it, it has for me anyway Man, so many great points there, Ryan. It, it just hits home with with everything I I think about backcountry hunting. And so you started with the the preparation and and knowing that you're in really good shape, knowing you're shooting and having confidence in in both of those that you can travel miles and that you can make that shot when you get there. I have that confidence on on a hunt, and, and I go into every hunt 
knowing that I have what it takes to be successful, knowing that I can pull it off and believing I will pull it off. Like I, I always believe it's going to come together and I never start doubting myself or doubting the hunt. Even if I'm not seeing any animals, I'm always thinking of my next play. Where's the next basin I'm going to go? What's my next move? Even if I hadn't seen a deer in, in five days on day six, I'm going to be up before light and I'm going to be going to my best bet. You know, this, this new place that I think is going to hold deer but it's that that confidence of just knowing that I can do this. I can be successful, and I've done it in the past. Confidence in your abilities and confidence in your shooting. And and you're right. Like um, you get back in the hills. And, oh, I liked what you said about um, knowing it's going to be the toughest thing you do all all year. I think preparing yourself mentally for those trials and tribulations, and and preparing yourself for for having a really tough hunt and being ready for that. I think that does so much for a guy's psyche in the hills. And and, and then I also like what you said, like you don't have that pole anymore. Back to the trailhead, and in that pole, you're right. For some reason, you get back in that woods. And all of a sudden, your mind wants to start going, well, what about work? What about this job? And, you know, what about your wife? And what about your kids? And, you know, you should really get home and do this. And are you wasting time because you're just sitting on a hillside? And even still, you know, I have to fight those urges and those feelings, you know, out of my head. And and nowadays, like you say, you kind of grow out of it. And now I... I embrace the entire experience in the mountains. And what I do is I just, I take care of all my responsibilities. I know everything's taken care of at work. And if anything pops up, I, they've got a contact number they can call. You know, I'm gone and I plan to be gone for, you know, X amount of days, whatever those days are. And, and I know my wife's prepared. You know, she knows that I'm going to be gone for, for nine days or 10 days. And she knows that, that there's no way I'm coming back early unless I got a big buck in the back of the truck or something, you know? And so, um, I just kind of yeah. That is one of the keys. I, I for young guys that are just getting into it. Um, and I hear horse stories. I'm sure you do as well. Every year, where you know uh, guys going in, and you know they got a seven day trip planned, and maybe it's a group of three or four guys, and there may be one guy in there that he's maybe having you know issues with his girlfriend or work or some kind of a you know uh, a setback that any excuse right to uh to kind of use that and and pull yourself out of the mountains and and uh just like you i i try to get everything taken care of um you know be ridiculously nice to your wife before you take off and, <laughs> and uh get the lawn mode and and get every single thing done you can around the house and uh i mean I overdo it those last two weeks before you hit your first hunt at least that has worked for me, and uh, you know my wife's onto my game now. She kind of knows when I start doing that that uh, you know I'm going to be gone for a while. But um, you know it, it is super important, and just taking care of all that, and uh, especially with work and, and family, and um, you know preparing them as well. They, you know you are going to be gone, and so you don't have those worries when you're back there. And you know I'll get back there, and you miss the family, and you know we all have phones with us these days, so I'll. I'll pull the phone out and start thumbing through and, and looking at my kids' faces. And, you know, it, 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 I guess you could look at, at it going two ways. It could pull you out or it could just keep you in there. And that just, you know, I get to pull up a photo of my daughters and see their smiling little faces. That just, that motivates me to stay back there and just try harder. You know, I just, I want to do, I want to do better for them. For me, it motivates me to, uh, you know, to keep at it and, and make myself, you know, make them proud, make me proud. And, um, and I find myself doing that a lot these days. 
Yeah, me too. I use it for motivation. I I don't want to come back to my family early and say, well, I gave up. It was this or it's that, you know, like I, I want to make them proud too. And, and so, yeah, they, uh, you use it, you can use it two ways. You can use it to pull you out or you can use it to, to go harder and to find that buck and to harvest that buck. And there, there's no greater feeling in life than, than working hard towards your goals and accomplishing them. And so, you know, when you wait all year long, you're looking forward to this back country trip and you're training for it and you, it's all you can think about and then you get in the hills and you start suffering and, and you can almost make these problems that you worry about that pull you out and you got to fight that urge and, and turn it around and use it for motivation and say no everything's taken care of if any problems arise you know they can handle it you know and my, my family's prepared they know I'm going to be gone for this many days like this is my chance to set my soul free this is my chance to chase my dreams and go for it like I'm going to use every minute and try to embrace all of this and there's there's no worse feeling like the way i learned my lesson is coming home early and and yeah. boy then i i'm really down on myself and this happened early in my career too where i'd come back i'd plan for five days and maybe i came out day three because i didn't see any animals or didn't find the one i was looking for or whatever but you get home and all you can think about is being in those mountains and how you gave up early and didn't give it everything you had and that destroys uh, me and so a couple times of doing that and then you know that's i make sure i make the most of my days back there yeah, you just beat yourself up. I remember those trips back in the day where I'd come out and, you know, come back, you know, tag build, and you just beat yourself up when you get back. And, you know, maybe every young guy has got to deal with that and go through that a few times before you kind of recognize it for what it is and, you know, hindsight and, and just know that that's going to happen. Uh, if you do come out, you're just going to be, you know, you're going to be so bummed out and, and just so many regrets. And Yeah, it's, I use that as motivation as well, just thinking back on past experiences. You know, I had a bear hunt this year in the spring, and, you know, my first trip over, I was unsuccessful. And, you know, I I don't know, these days it seems like uh, most tags get filled, like like you. And uh, I got back, and my daughter was there, and she comes running out of the house. and She wants to see a bear, and she wants a claw, and I don't have one. <laughs> so she was just so bummed, and, um, you know, I, I can remember her you know you didn't get one she's just like oh and she, she wanted it she wanted that claw and, oh man you feel bad so um you know the, the next time out i was i was going for broke there's no way i was coming back without a bear on that next trip but uh use all those little bits of uh, you know motivation for uh for the next time you're out and just to keep going i mean heck we you kind of you know as far as the, the mental toughness of this you know you, i there's always that question, right? Of is it is it acquired? Can you acquire mental toughness or mental endurance? I'd, I'd like to call it, or is it just something you're born with? Some guys have it, some guys don't, never will. Um, and there's no doubt in my mind. Um, I don't know about you, but there's no doubt in my mind that you can acquire it um, just through repetition of, of doing hard things and and you know more experiences and and uh, you know getting out there and all this training and uh, I know back before I used to train so dang hard, you know, it, I didn't have all those experiences to fall back on. I, I didn't have those, those hardships, you know, where I, I completed a train to hunt or I, you know, completed a death hike or, or something like that, where, you know, the reason I did that was so that I'd be more prepared and, and better ready to, to tackle this next hunt. Um, you know, it, you just fall back on those things. You think on those things when you're solo back there in the back country and you think, well, shoot, I did that. 
you know, there's no reason why I can't do this and stick it out and hike over to that mountain. Um, you know, I've trained for it the entire year. But back out now, yeah, it's just going to be a, a ton of regret and, and heartache till the next season. So, um, you know, our time is limited and, and it's so important these days that uh, you really want to make the most of it when you're up there. Man, you're so right. And and I always think back, um, you know, and I also think that that uh, mental toughness is acquired. It's it's acquired through putting yourself through hardships and struggles and, and choosing to to keep going. And and like you, I get a ton from my training from from trail running, you know, where where you don't feel like running and you make yourself run, or you're on a tough run and you keep going. And I get a lot from that. And then I I start drawing from past hunts and past experiences, and and always the most memorable hunts are the ones that are the most grueling the toughest ones that you know so i always think like when i'm on a tough hunt or i'm worn down like man this is going to make a heck of a story if i can pull this off or i always think like this would be the this will be the best memory like being this beat up and then being able to get it done this far back in or this many days in and, and those are always the hunts you remember the most are the toughest hunts the the most grueling hunts the the ones that 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 kick you and you get back up and, and that's a Another thing with mental toughness, so it's easy to push day after day, but but one of the toughest things I think in the mountains, and I think you'll agree, is like picking yourself up after a lull, like after blowing a stock, blowing a mule deer, blowing an elk, or missing a shot. Like that low of lows, like almost wants to make you give up, you know, and that's that's when the doubt creeps in and you've worked six days to get this opportunity and all of a sudden you've blown it and you think, well, how in the heck am I ever going to get it done in two more days? It took me six days just to get this opportunity. But that's the time where you really got to draw on your mental strength and your toughness, get over whatever thing you did and just go, well, you know, it's what can I do tomorrow? What can I do tonight? What can I do to better this hunt? Find another animal, earn another opportunity. Like I'm not going home early. I'm not going to let this ruin my, my hunt and my experience. I've got to pick myself up from this and some of my greatest hunts and greatest achievements have been you know when i when i do get redemption after a miss or a missed stock and i pick myself up i keep going and i end up arrowing a deer that that means so much to me yeah oh yeah 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 absolutely yeah i love the way you put that um you know there's so there's so many times and, and we've all faced it where like you said if you you have a blown stock or you just did something dumb, which we all do. Um, you know, there's those times you, you just, oh man, yeah, you just kind of have to draw on past experiences, right? I mean, it seems like the older you get, you get more of those experiences, and and that just kind of breeds success and, and confidence because you've 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 done this, you've pulled this out of the hat on the seventh day before. Why can't you do it this time, right? It's kind of like, you know how, I mean, I'm not too big on sports, but. You know how there's, you know, you might have a baseball team and they, you know, they, they, they're down five runs in the, in the ninth and they come back and they, and they pull it off and they, and they, they win in the ninth inning or tenth inning. Um, you know, that team from that point on has confidence, right? They think, well, we did it then. We can do it next time. And, and they get on these rolls and, you know, football as well. And, you know, they come back in the fourth quarter and, and they do it. Once they get that confidence, they just think they can do it. And that's kind of how. That's kind of how I am now. It's like, uh, you know, you've had so many times where it comes down to the last day, last hour. And elk especially. I don't know what it is about elk, but uh, it seems like more often than not, elk just 
out of nowhere, when you are in that low of lows and you're just like it's ghostly out here, there's really nothing happening. And then five minutes later, you're sitting there with your bow and you just arrowed a bull and you're like, wow, you know, that just happened that fast. And I, I can't, I can't tell you how many times I just said like, wow, just talking to myself. I cannot believe that just happened. Cause this 10 minutes ago, I was just depressed. Like this is just never going to happen. And, and, uh, you know, after those past experiences of that happening now, I, I don't, I don't get like that very much anymore. Um, just because I know it could happen at any point. Um, so yeah, just fighting through that, that, that fatigue and, and, uh, you know, using those past experiences to uh, keep you going and keeping you strong. And I'll be honest, man, I, like you, I hunt solo a lot and I find myself talking to myself, like, come on, Ryan, you know, you, you, you can do this, you can pull this off and yeah, that one didn't work, but, uh, but, uh, make this next one happen. And, you know, there's hope just on the other side and that next basin and, and, um, you really do have, it is a, it is a mental battle and just trying to keep yourself motivated back there. And you really have to, you know, focus on that and, and know that that's what you have to do, right? You kind of have to make it a point to, uh, to stay positive. Otherwise you will kind of slip. Man, you're so right. Like even where we're at, where we've seen success and we know we can do it, you're still got to talk yourself into it and talk to yourself during the hunt and motivate yourself during it. Like mental toughness and, and mental strength is almost a decision you make on a daily basis on a tough hunt. Like you choose to keep going. You choose to see what's over the next ridge. You know, you, you choose to, to keep your head in the game. And I, I always know after, like a big down or a big low or a big upset, the quicker I can just put that out of my head and stop overthinking it and get back to hunting, the better off I am. Like if I if I miss a buck, just go, you know, well, what am I going to do next? What's my next move? Well, I be- guess I better go up to that ridge and start glassing, and I get up there, and all of a sudden I see another deer, and all of a sudden I'm in the hunt, and I'm engaged again, and, and all of a sudden I, I'm picking myself out of that low. So the quicker I can get myself out of that and just get back to hunting, the better off I'm going to be. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's a, you know, it, it's a drive. It's a, it's just having that mindset of there's always opportunity, right? And it might just be on the other side of the mountain or it might be, you know, backing out of this spot and going to another spot. And, you know, that could be a complete different story. And, and, uh, you know, you could get into that and have it over in a day, you know, it's just never giving up, never stopping. And it's how, as cliche as all this sounds, it's, it is so true, and, and uh, you know, every year it's the same story. Um, it's, it's just having that motor, that drive, and that willingness to keep telling yourself there's more opportunity, and, and it's going to happen. And you know, like you, I, I'm just, I, I assume, I, I just, it's, it sounds arrogant, I guess, but I just know I'm going to fill that tag, right? Just going into a hunt, I just, I have no doubt I'm going to fill that tag, and, uh, and. I, I think that helps me. You know, I just, I just know that it is going to happen. Um, maybe not today, but it is going to happen. I'm going to get up early tomorrow. Um, going to give it everything I got and, uh, and make it happen. So, man, I'm with you. Yeah. It may be arrogance, but 
failure isn't an option to me. And and sure, you know, you, every once in a while, you know, it may happen, but I just don't let drought, doubt creep in, and and I just don't even let failure be an option. I've trained all year for it, and I go in believing I'm going to be successful, and I believe I'm successful to the last minute of the last day. And then even then, most of the time, people goes, well, how many days are you going on the hunt? And I'll just say, well, whatever it takes, you know. And and I try to actually plan like a couple days on the back end of my hunt. So if I'm 10 days, I mean, my, my wife knows 10 days might be 12 days, you know. I'll, I'll take two extra days on the end of that because I'm going to do whatever it takes to, to fill that tag and be successful. But, yeah, like you, it's almost a bit of arrogance where I just don't let failure creep into my mind. I know I'm going to be successful, you know. I, I've trained yep. too hard not to be. That's it. That's it. That's for sure. It's it's just the confidence. I think it's healthy confidence, and you know everything that we've done in the off season has has prepared us for this time. And you know, there's bucks on the mountain. There's opportunities up there. So um, yeah, it's what we live for. And and uh, yeah, I it's it, it is hard to explain to, to younger guys. I, I think a lot of guys, you know, in the off season, they have these they they've trained as well. They've done a lot of shooting. Um, they just haven't maybe had the experiences of things coming down to the end and, and having success. And, and they do tend to um, kind of give up a little bit and uh, they're more apt to kind of get pulled out of the mountains, unfortunately. But, you know, I think that's just kind of a, you know, a growing period that everybody has to go through. I don't, <laughs> I definitely was like that. I, you know, my mindset now is so much stronger. My mental endurance now is just, it's night and day from where it was when I was 20. And, uh, I, you know, I, I expect to continue to get stronger, you know, every year that I'm up there and, and find more success on these different hunts and, and um, go a little farther and harder. And, yeah, it's, it's just such a passion and drive. And, um, you know, some of us have that bug, and I, I just love it. <laughs> it. It's so cool, isn't it? It's like uh, it, it just uh, it keeps growing, like it keeps getting stronger and stronger. As you got older, you thought like uh, or I kept thinking like you're going to start to lose that drive or lose that passion. But it's just something that you absolutely love and love pushing yourself to your limits. And it gets in your blood to where you, you just keep getting better and better at it and enjoying it more and more. Like the, the tougher the hunt, the more you endure, the more you enjoy it, the funner it is. You almost like to suffer, you know. And and uh, but yeah, it gets inside your blood, and then you know that's all you can think about year round is preparing for these tough challenges, and then going on these tough challenges, these these final exams and these tests of of your skills and endurance, and and it, I, I think that's what it is. Is it is just so difficult and so tough to achieve that when you do achieve it, it just means the world to you. You are on absolute cloud nine. Absolutely, yeah. I mean. Anybody who's been successful and, and come out, you know, on a trip or a solo trip, there's just, you know, that feeling. And I find myself thinking about that when I'm up there on the mountain, um, that feeling that uh, you put in a week's worth of hunting, you've had ups, downs, and and you, you get that, you know, that death march out of the mountains when you finally get that buck and, and maybe you one tripped it out and it's just a heavy, heavy pack, you get it down and slam that tailgate down, toss your pack up on there and, uh, it's that truck ride back, right? That's just about as bad as good as it gets. Um, you know, you hit the, hit the music and, and you take that, that drive home and you got a, you got, you know, you filled your tag with a great buck and you got a, a cooler full of meat. I don't know of a better feeling than that little stretch from, uh, you know, once you've got that back to that trailhead, uh, to back home. I don't, it's just, yeah, 
Oh, you painted a perfect picture. You, you got to smile ear to ear because that is exactly how I feel coming out of one of those hunts that uh, describes it absolutely perfectly. Yeah, um, man, I, that's what we live for. That's what that's why we push so hard and and what we love to do and and try to spend as much time doing it as we can and and still take care of our responsibilities. I I think also on these tough hunts. Um, like there's mental toughness and there's confidence. I think another big part of being successful is being able to adapt and evolve to your current situation in there. Like you make a game plan and it's like a what's that saying? Like a, everybody has a game plan until they get punched in the face. I think it's like a, a fighter's um, saying or whatever. But it's the same thing in the backcountry. Like you have this game plan of how it's going to go and you prepare for it to be tough. But you get in there. And it always seems like it's tougher than you imagined, and the bucks aren't quite where that you thought they were. You blow a stock, or but I think I think a big part of being successful is, is being that that constant thinker. Like uh, you, you're just gonna evolve and adapt to the scenario around you. And what's you, what's your game plan for this evening? And then after that evening, all right, what's your game plan for that next morning? And trying to adapt to to real time to what you're actually seeing in the field. But I think that's a, a big part of being successful. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're right. It, it's uh, you know, if you fall into that trap, which uh, maybe some of the younger guys could fall into of just kind of getting to that point where your body's tired and you're going through the motions, right? You're getting up, going out to the hillside, you're, you're doing some glass and I'm not seeing anything. I didn't see anything yesterday and well, I'm going to do it again tomorrow. And, um, you just cannot fall into that trap. I mean, it's, it's a chess match up there and, and you just got to outsmart what's the survivor saying, outwit, outlast, outplay. That, that's, that's Miller hunting for me. Um, you're up there and you just have to, you just have to figure it out. There's going to be a way that you're going to get your buck and, um, and you got to outsmart and out, outthink every, you know, all those bucks and, and just make a better plan. Whether that means backing out of your spot, um, because it's just not happening, the winds are just not right, or whatever, and and relocating. Um, sometimes that's your best move, and you know it's kind of a gut feeling that you get sometimes through experience that that tells you, okay, I, I think I'm better off to move, or um, you know, stick it out here. I think it could happen, or or whatever. But uh, but yeah, I, I think over time you just kind of develop that. You're right. It's like your your instincts and in, in your you're calling upon your your past experiences and trying to to make your best play to give yourself your best chance to to kill that buck and and mental toughness is great and you want to stay the test of time. I mean, mental toughness is everything, like we've been talking about, and you want to stay in there and, and stay on your hunt. But sometimes you you have to. You have to outthink. You have to go. Okay, well, I, you know, I know I'm tough enough to stay in here and hunt, but you know, I'm not seeing the deer I want to see. Like, I think what I have to do is I have to backpack out of here. I have to get back to my truck, and I've got to go to a totally different trailhead. I've got to relocate. I've got to keep hunting and use my mental toughness, but I've also got to got to outthink these deer. And and I always think like there is a trophy deer out there somewhere right now laying in his bed, or there is a trophy deer somewhere like like feeding in a green meadow and or an elk or whatever it is and and i always find like i don't have these mystical animals like uh people talk about a timber buck that they never see that that you finally see on day 10 like i you know my experience with deer is deer are gonna be deer they're gonna feed in openings they're gonna feed meadows you might not see them every morning and evening and they can definitely 
you know, tighten up their programs to where they're kind of coming out late or coming out early. But deer are going to be deer. And if you're sitting at the right spot at the right time, you're going to see them. And same thing with elk. Elk are going to be elk. And if you're looking in elk spots, listening to elk bottoms, like you're going to hear that bull. You're going to see that bull. You know, if you sit in there a couple different times, like like there is this no mythical 250-inch deer that never shows himself. 250-inch deer, they have to feed the most. They're the biggest, fattest deer out there, you know? And so if you watch them, they're the last ones to bed down. They're the ones that feed the most out in these green meadows. And sure, they've got a, a tight program and a place where they've learned where they can grow up to be six or seven years old where, where people don't find them. But I, I just... I don't let myself fall into that, like hoping they're going to show up. Like I cover an area, I might cover it for a couple, two, three vantages or a couple, two, three sittings. And if I don't see him, like I've got to move on. I got to, I got to keep adapting to this scenario that I'm in and try to find this buck that I can try to harvest. Do, do you find that as well? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of swinging the pendulum, you know, to being aggressive. Um, you have to be aggressive until you find him, right? Um, you know, I we talked about being patient, you know, when you've got bucks in a spot and you're just trying to get that, that ideal stock, that's one thing. But, uh, I think I'm one of the most, not the most aggressive, but, uh, impatient when it comes to trying to locate bucks. Cause I cover ground like crazy, right? I think you do as well. Um, just like you're saying, and you have to, you know, you just, you got to have that drive, that natural curiosity to move and cover ground and glass and find them. Um, you know, if, if one place hasn't worked out that, that you uh, had scouted all summer and, you know, there were bucks there, you know, they're just not there because maybe some folks came and hunted it or whatever. You just have to be able to move and, uh, you know, let your physical conditioning take over and, and get you to a new basin to keep, keep glassing and, and keep covering ground. And, and uh, I know... I know I think that's one of the biggest things that's helped me is just having that drive, that curiosity to see what's on the other side of that one. This basin isn't looking good. I'm going that way and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there before nightfall. And, and so I can have a, a 15 minute window just to glass that, just to see if there's anything there. Um, you know, it, it's just, uh, it's one of those things that, you know, I've hunted with some guys that, <clears throat> um, you know, they, in the off season, it, their goals are lofty and, and, uh, you know, they, they've done a lot of work and gotten shape. And, and then once, once they've gotten up there, things fade fast, right? Um, maybe they're more apt to, uh, you know, cut out that last half hour of daylight and, and just go back to camp and have a nice meal instead of putting on, you know, 20 minutes of hiking to cover, to be able to glass for 10 minutes. And, and you just kind of have to have that because every opportunity is important. And that little 10 minute window may be the opportunity where you saw a buck. That's going to be a buck that you're going to be able to go for that next day. And, and it's just a, it's just a curiosity and a, and a drive that you got to have in those mountains that, uh, that gives you more opportunities than, uh, than some other guys. Man, you're so right. Curiosity kills the buck. Like, you're like me. I'm covering country like a madman, you know, and I, I'm all, every morning and every evening is so important to me. And every middle of the day is important to me. Traveling and, and getting different angles down in drainages and basins, trying to glass them up, trying to look for them in their beds. You're just trying to do anything possible and use your time a, as best as you can. But you're right. It's that curiosity of always wanting 
wondering, like you've looked at your map, you've studied it. It's like, what's in the next drainage? Like, and, and, and I've gotten pretty good over time. And I think you have too, like, you know, when there's deer in that drainage, sure. Maybe if you look at a drainage middle of the day and you can't pick out a buck, but it looks really bucky. You're like, I bet I better stay around here and grab a good vantage point tonight and see what comes out. But if I look at it at a prime time, and I don't see the bucks I'm looking for, or, you know, I don't see the bulls down in there. Like, I, I'm probably not going to stay in there and get a, give it another look. Sure, I may look off at the backside, you know, an, another day or something, but I'm going to the next peak and the next drainage and the next basin. Like, like deer are going to be deer and elk are going to be elk, and you don't see them, every single one of them from every vantage all the time, like every morning and night, but, but you do see them. They're going to act they're going to be deer and they're going to be elk and you're going to see them if you're looking in the right spots at the right time. And if you don't, it's time to keep rolling. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't dream more. Yeah. Well, it's going to be fun, man. It starts up here in less than two weeks. We're taking off. So uh, I can't, I can't wait to see what you turn up, Ryan. I know you got a a bunch of good tags for, for muleys and elk and, um, you just, um, you, you keep evolving your skills as well and, and, uh, setting your goals and, and bringing back some, some really nice critters. And so, um, man, I just wish you all the luck and I've really enjoyed getting to know you and hanging out with you on the, the death hike. And I, I sure appreciate you being on the podcast with me and, and sharing all this super valuable information. I, I just love engaging in a hunting conversation with you in a back and forth like that. It, it's, uh, so fun for me. Absolutely, man. Yeah. I- I, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed your podcast. It's just so much information. You just, yeah, I just, I just grown to love it. And, uh, yeah, talking with you on the death hike, man, you're, uh, you're pretty dang motivating because you get so, so jacked up about, uh, about your stories and your hunt. You just see the passion that you've got and hear it. And, and, uh, it's just awesome to hear. And, um, yeah, same thing. I, you got some great hunts this year. So I'm excited to see what, uh, see what comes up. And I know it's scouting season and I think we were talking on that death hike about, uh, you know, all these little events, they're, they're awesome and they're great and they help and they're, they're a big benefit. And, um, but they are kind of getting in the way of our scouting, aren't they? (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad I'm not the only one that thinks that. And I, and I am, I'm so happy I did it, but yeah, when you, when you start these events and you got all these things going on, yeah, it starts taking away from, from your scouting, but it's a good thing. And we're still getting our scouting in and, and it's going to be a great season. Um, and, and I just want to congratulate you on, on you and, and your wife, Doc Hillary's podcast, uh, Hunt Harvest Health. You guys are doing a great job with that thing. So congratulations on that. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a kind of a learning experience. It's something, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I never would have thought I'd be, uh, you know, doing a podcast of all things. I, I like listening. I, I don't like talking on them, but, uh, but yeah, it's been fun. My wife's really kind of embraced it. Um, just, just the, you know, the, the folks that are in our community, you know, the hunting community, it's such a, you know, accepting group of guys and, you know, her, we've talked about this before as well. And, you know, her idea of what hunters were before and, and what they are now, you know, she came up and she was up here at the Northwest Mountain Challenge with us this past weekend. And, and, um, and I just love it when she gets to see, the, the passion that all these guys have and, and just having conversations with guys, folks who come up to her and talk to her about who knows what the testosterone or you know, mostly doctor related questions. But, uh, you know, we had a little full draw film tour type thing going on there with some hunt movies. And, you know, she got to see some of these great movies that were put out. Zach Kenner, um, I got the opportunity to shoot with him and, 
hardworking hunter and he put out a great one and it was just an awesome film um showed a lot of compassion on his part and you know, my wife got to see that and man she was in tears and so uh yeah it, it's just been really fun getting her involved in in this community and and she's uh she's really grown to love it and, and uh who knows man i just just about a week and a half ago she asked me about that what it takes to get a hunter safety card so um she's definitely leaning more into the direction of possibly getting a hunt someday so yeah she's shooting her bow a lot and and really kind of embracing this community it's great oh man how cool and, and she's gonna go on that elk hunt with you this year right yep yep she uh she's gonna tag along she's not gonna be hunting but uh but she's gonna come along on the washington hunt and, and see how that goes and you know, I'm really curious and we'll probably podcast a little bit while we're in there. And I want to hear her reaction to, uh, you know, hearing her first screaming bull and, and just kind of seeing that interaction. And, you know, I, she's, I think she's just going to get a kick out of it. Just seeing all the, the hard work that's, that's involved and, and just the drive and, and, um, you know, that, yeah, I mean, we all been there, had bull screaming in our face, breaking stuff and, she's never experienced that you know she's seen a few hunt videos but it's just different so um yeah i'll be really curious and as well as a lot of her friends to see what she experiences through that hunt and, and what she gets out of it man that is so cool you guys yeah uh, in the live podcast back there are going to be so cool like there's something that captures that moment when you do it real time or that evening like like after you've had that thrilling encounter that I mean, it just dang near changes your life. Like you, you, you can't. It, it, it means so much to us guys, and and we enjoy that thrill and that adrenaline rush. And to 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 hear somebody experience that for the first time, and then you know, be able to articulate it on a podcast, that's going to be really cool to listen into. Yeah, I mean, you know how jacked up we get sitting around a campfire. If you got a buddy um, at the end of the day, just telling stories about what you saw or or what happened or what didn't happen, and um. You know, I'll get to experience that with her and, and hopefully we'll get some of that, uh, some of that on the podcast and, and get her reaction, you know, as it happens that night when it's fresh and that should be interesting. Oh, it'll be, it'll be a ton of fun. So yeah, good for you guys. Well, I'm glad to hear it. And yeah, you're, you know, Ryan, you are keeping so busy with these shoots. I know I was just up at the, uh, I did the total archery challenge in big sky shot with some great guys and have a, had a good time. We did the, the, uh, death hike and then you're doing the train to hunts. And then I see you speaking in a lot of different places too. You've got a ton going on, but for good reason. Uh, you're just a, a stellar hunter with a, a great attitude about hunting. And so, um, just super excited for you this season. And again, I just can't thank you enough for, for being on the podcast. Hey man, I, I really appreciate it, Brian. Yep. Thanks for the opportunity. Yep. We'll talk to you soon. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Um, again, just really fun conversation with Ryan, uh, really in depth, just about a, a hunter's mindset and, uh, just, just really fun to talk to him and, and such a great guy. And so I just want to keep in touch with him and, and have him on the podcast throughout the year. Um, just such a great speaker and does such a, a great job of articulating, you know, his, his thoughts on hunting and theories on hunting and, and just has such great, uh, ethics as well. And so, um, I, I can't wait to see what he turns up this year and, and I can't wait to see what I turn up this year. Um, 
it's going to be a fun season. Uh, gosh, it's it's right upon us right now. So um, this is where uh, all the hard work, um, you, you know, it pays off and, and able to dive into the mountains and go find some critters and go chase them with a bow and arrow. So um, today's sponsor for the show, Onyx Maps. Again, guys, go check out that new Hunt app on their phone, uh, new and improved, and uh, it is just an absolute game changer. Just so impressed with, with that, that map. Um, in that app and in the way it changes how I hunt and how I scout. Uh, again, at the magazine, make sure to check out that 13th issue um, and, and check out our promo code Eastman's Elevated 617, 20 bucks, both magazines. Uh, heck of a deal. Uh, and with that, boy, it's, um, it's Thursday now. I fly out tomorrow, Friday. Um, so yeah, just got to get out this podcast, get one ready for next week. Um, do a couple things at work. We've been pouring concrete like mad, a um, bunch of big slabs, and so just been wearing me out where I'm tired at night. But um, yeah, just just keep things rolling. I got all my gear packed. Uh, be on a plane for Alaska Caribou here tomorrow. Uh, it's just amazing. It's already here. I'm just really looking forward to it. They're going to be in full velvet, which they're going to look heavier and and uh, you know they're. They're like in between a mule deer and an elk for body size, but then they've got those giant racks on them. So I am just so excited to chase one of these with my bow and and uh, try to get narrow in one. Um, and, and going with it, my good buddy Chase. That you know we we spent a few years around here, around uh, local Ennis, um, when he worked and lived here, and and did a bunch of cool adventures, fishing and hunting and stuff. And so he's just a fun guy to hang out with. So it'll be fun to get up there and go go chase some stuff around and start this season off right. Um, so so really looking forward to it. So uh, by the time uh, this uh, hits or by the time you guys are listening to it, uh, probably be up there chasing a caribou. I hope. So get that, come back, antelope season's open, and then into Idaho deer, and I'm running out of time for scouting, but I just got to find a few more days and get down there and and try to locate a few big bucks, or, you know, maybe I just got to leave early on my hunt by about four days or so and and scout those four days before it opens. Um, I'm not not sure my exact plan, because like I say, right now I'm just so focused on on Alaska, um, but, but it'll be fun. I just, uh, I can't wait for season. This is, this is what us guys wait for all year long. Uh, go test our skills in the mountains. So, uh, hope you guys are ready. Hope you guys got some good hunts coming up. Make sure to shoot me over some pictures if you guys are successful. And, and, uh, with that, let's end this thing. Get me on a plane tomorrow and, and out of here and, and, uh, hope you guys enjoy the podcast. <laughs>